Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 8 of Andor, titled Narkeena 5. I um, feel like this should have been the fifth episode, just to make this easier. But uh, no announcements for today, so Tom, take it away. Tell us about this episode. Well, I totally agree with you. It should have been Episode 5, because it is really Andor Episode 8, Narkeena 5, directed by Toby Haynes and written by Bo Williman. In this episode, while lying low, Cassian is swept up in Imperial Crackdown with little more than a false identity as protection. The Empire are unaware of his true past, but sent him to toil in a high-security prison. Meanwhile, the Imperial Security Bureau continues to piece together intelligence on acts of sedition. This, I gotta say... To be introduced to an Imperial prison was fascinating. Yeah, we've seen Imperial prisons in like Mandalorian as well, but this had a really cool take on the on the prison um, with like the the floors that are electrified. Um, well, were they were they electrified or some kind of gravity thingy? No, I think it's electri- it, I think it's electrified. Okay. Yeah. And that's okay, why they have those, it those is, orange it, boots, which I love the contrast between like the Imperial officers, black uniforms, and then the the bright orange boots. It gives it a, gives it a really stark, uh, unique look for mm. uh, Star Wars, which I appreciated. It's just it's it's a really it, it's it's a fascinating way to do a prison where the prisoners are free to walk around and, uh, you know, and kind of do there's a lot of like there's no cell doors or anything like that right they can they can move around they can um uh everything's kind of open i mean there's certainly areas that are blocked off as we Mm -hmm. see different rooms um but there's not a lot of guards around and those that are around are wearing these special boots and so they won't won't get zapped while all the uh all the prisoners are barefoot didn't they also have some kind of uh hand zapper with them not not just weapons because Later, oh, we'll see them of, with a weapon on him. Of course, Tom, you got to be able to beat the prisoners. What's the point if you can't beat them to the <laughs> well, ground? But it wasn't yep. so much beating. It's like he pressed the button and then they just, the, the prisoners just get sucked onto the ground. Well, there's two. Yeah, just, there's like the staff and then there's like, yeah, that, yeah, that, that activation. And I, I thought it was a cool concept. What did you think, Stephen? Yeah, I liked it. It was, this was such a weird episode in some ways because there's, there's not a lot that really happens, but it's, very very deep in terms of world building like just mm-hmm. watching the you know and or go through prison for the entire episode and what that experience is like and what the how the empire is treating their prisoners like it's it's kind of a dark episode in a lot of ways um but yeah like i just i end up i end up feeling so mixed about it because on the one hand it was really cool to see all of this but on the other hand like i didn't feel like anything happened um that's like, true well, yeah. yeah. In some ways, summarize the episode as like Cassian goes to prison, and there, like, there's a couple of other scenes that are worthwhile with like Cyril and Mon Mothma, but like, mm-hmm. there's just not. It's Cassian stuff is very, very straightforward here. Yeah. 
Well, I, I really enjoyed seeing Andy Serkis return to Star Wars. Of course, he played Snoke, but this is the first time we actually see his face as Kino Loy, the 5-2-D unit manager. And I thought he did a phenomenal job as kind of the... He's not really a villain, but he's kind of like... He's the... He's, his, his job as he's a prisoner, right? And his job is to run the, the floor mm. or the, the room on, on, you know, room two on, on level five and kind of run the day shift. And he kind of makes for a great, uh, a great, I got not really an antagonist, but you know, he kind of is in some ways, right? He's, he's the one yeah. that Cassian deals with more than even the guards in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did, he did such a, phenomenal job as that character yeah I, I know he's most obviously famous for a lot of his like cgi work but i i honestly think he does an amazing job as a i don't know real life actor i don't know what the, that's i think like that's the wrong way to describe it and slightly offensive but it, it's just yeah it's amazing just to see him work and i i particularly liked him here where you know he's all he's still a prisoner he's one of just like cassian is but he's collaborating with the empire and uh, you know, running their that level of the prison for them. So just a cool dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just it, I would just find it interesting. What were they actually building in each of those those stations? Because <laughs> all we just see is just massive cars being built. I desperately want to know the answer to that question, and I don't yeah. know how to find out. <laughs> I, I I'm torn. Part of me wants initially. Part of me thought, well, maybe maybe we'll find out they're building something really dangerous. But I think ultimately, I think it's just a, like, the episode guide even calls it just a widget. I don't think it really matters. I don't know if we'll ever find out. I'm curious. But I suspect we'll never know what what they're actually building. They're just being told to build it as fast as they can. I would hope. I mean, I understand it's a widget. May not be. It's like the MacGuffin, okay? But wouldn't you love to know it's like something that has to go inside an AT, an AT-AT? Or a cog like a probe droid part, or yeah, or yeah. or something that goes inside a star destroyer, or goes inside the Death Star, mm-hmm. just something to that extent, because they it's a quota, and each table had to meet a specific quota, and those that didn't get it to that level, they were basically punished. Yeah. Oh, and brutal. Oh, brutal, brutal fashion. Punished. Like, but but there has to be something to this this widget thingamajig. So I hope one day we get an explanation. I, I honestly think one of my favorite parts of it is just when we get back to the cell block and you see Cassian like bunk bed kind of uh, mm-hmm. door, uh, not even doors, mm-hmm. just like you get back to your block, you get like five minutes to socialize, and then you stand in your block, you're not allowed to leave. You get a hard bed, you get a hose that comes out of the wall with your food and drink. Like, yeah, it is. On the one hand, I'm impressed at like how thought through it is, but it is just. I mean, like like a lot of presidents, it is a dehumanizing experience. And watching mm-hmm. Cassian struggle in there just to like not go insane, I think again, t- just a testament. I'm blanking on who the actor's name is. Um, Diego, Diego Luna. Luna. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like just a te- yeah. he. I feel like he does an amazing job of representing just the struggle that uh, Cassian is going through in this episode. Mm-hmm. No power, no escape. He's just stuck. Well, the yeah. one thing that I. The, the one thing that I appreciated when he first came in as the intake, there was a part there that almost caused a little bit of a stress level because you're sitting there watching him be very observant of what's going on. But 
there was a point in which one of the actual Imperial Guards, he was late reporting to his post. And then there was that little part of you thinking, well, he's coming in. Is this a jailbreak that's being set up yeah. because this guy's a little bit late? Is it something? And you could just feel at that point there was something happening there that just built tension because this guy was running late and just watching Andor just take it all in. It was fascinating. I I was I thought when I was watching, oh, something you know, like you, this this has got to be something, right? And nothing really came of it. And so I I wonder if that will maybe play a role in the future episodes. And yet it seemed like a one-off occurrence. So I don't, I don't know. It seemed to me yeah. like a one-off, which was, which was kind of bizarre. Cause I've always been the one that say, that says, if you call attention to something, yeah. you better pay it off. And I get did. a feeling. Yeah. And I get a feeling when it comes to the cogs. Okay. You may not have to pay that off, but I felt like that there was a payoff coming that just was not there at this scene. You know, the thing that fascinates me is I do not remember the scene you're talking about. And like, yes, I watched the episode a week ago. Really? But I it was right. It was right when he came in the the total first intake when he comes right through the doors. There's like a whole commotion with the different imperial yeah. officers. And oh, the, I, OK, I do remember. Yeah. That. Sorry. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 really. Yeah, it's so interesting. interesting. The The other thing that I suspect they'll pay off in future episodes, but that's the the prisoners signaling to each other. I don't know if they're doing like sign language, sign language or something else, but they're, um, they're communicating across. Cause you know, when, when they're changing shifts between night and day, right. Uh, one, the, the day shift is going one direction. The night shift is going the other direction and they're in these tunnels and you can almost like in Camino, right. There's these, like these spokes that go out to, um, presumably like from where they're sleeping to where they work and uh and you can kind of see to the other spokes both on your level as well as on other levels and uh i think it was uh was it ham or taga that was like communicating across there's like it communication was so hard, happening it's so hard to keep all these names straight because oh there's a so whole bunch many, of them so much going on but i i yeah. agree with what you're saying it's very hard to pick up because even it seemed like it's true. It's it's sign language, but it even seems like it's a broken sign language to where it's just like there's they can't even figure out what's being said back and forth. Yeah, I, I suspect that will come into play in a big way in in future episodes. But um, yeah, super. It's very interesting. Like, are they are they staging a breakout? Are they just talking about? what's happening i i want to know more about what's being communicated i'm very very curious um i don't know i guess i guess we'll see speaking of the prisoners though did you guys recognize one particularly you know somewhat famous face among the prisoners no no i did not who did i miss william yeah who what did an we amazing miss? cool thing did i not actually pick up on what did, did uh, I, was brad pitt in there <laughs> no, no the the prisoner across the from cassian cell is none other than ruscott melshi from rogue one he's one of the rebel soldiers who backs up cassian on scarif uh and so i suspect this this has to be where they how they kind of form a relationship and join the rebellion. So it's 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 cool to see them bringing back characters from 
from Rogue One like that. Totally missed it. That is, yeah, that is neat though. Totally yeah. missed it. Yeah, so yeah, definitely, uh, and it's cool. You know, Duncan Powell is reprising his role as 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 Melshi. So I really like that. Um, but I guess I don't know. I, I, that's I think that's the the bulk of the prison. I, I really love the sequence, but it's you know, um, it, it's it's really cool to see. Oh, I guess one other piece about the prison is that um, one of the one of the prisoners, Vimos, basically loses heart and kills himself because of their prison sentence is doubling. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot we almost forgot to talk about this. Um the with the public order resentencing directive, you know, everyone's prison sentences were doubled. And of course, that's because of Cassian on Aldani. But nobody knows that Cassian was there. They're all just upset and they're desperate for information. I loved that dynamic as well. And I appreciate that Cassian didn't re- even pay attention to what was going on. Like they're right. trying to just find out like do you know why? Because they don't even know that much. And Cassian just, yeah. you know, he was there for the job. He wasn't paying attention to anything else. And right, he yep. certainly didn't pay attention to what happened after. He was just, you know, going on his party, going on his binge. And it was fascinating. Fascinating and sad to see that one guy just totally lose it. And I would imagine, is it something different at night instead of the whole um, pull-down thing, electric charge, what they get? I just somehow get this feeling that because the thing goes red, they're probably heated floors or something, something different than what they normally do throughout the course of a day. Cause there's really, the guy was able to get a pretty far distance from oh, when he left the cell. Yeah. That's, I think it was just, just, just electrified. The floors okay. are hot. Yeah. It just means okay. there's active current running through the Got floors it. of the, I think it's tungstoid steel or whatever they call it. Yeah. Which makes, which would make sense. Almost the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I really, I think it's a cool storyline, and we see a month pass during the sequence, so Cassian's already been here for a little while at some point, and it'll be interesting to see if the break, because they've got, it's got to be a prison break at some point, right? Will, will Vel rescue him? Will um, Bix try to rescue him? Will he break himself out? What do you guys think? I think they're breaking out. I get this feeling it's a breakout because really nobody knows he's there. Yeah. And the fascinating, fascinating thing is, and you know, it's not going to happen that those inside the prison do not know who they have, but I'll bet you when they break out, somebody's going to put two and two together and realize they actually had Cassidy uh, or in custody. I, I have to say, this is one of my like favorite things about star Wars technology is like in the real world. Any, I'm assuming anyone who goes into a prison gets a face scan and gets put in a database and would, you know, you search it out and you're good to go. But in Star Wars land where, you know, spaceships exist and all the other kinds of things like, nope, no idea who they have, no way to find out. They're not going to find out until it's all said and done. But don't you think, Stephen? Yeah. (laughs) But, but on top of that, don't you think that is a fault of the empire that they're so pompous? that they just don't care. I mean, we are seeing Deirdre at least trying to drill down on things, but with everybody else within the ISB, you know, she's the only one that's like questioning this, putting this together, putting this together, putting this together. That's now starting to drive the rest of the ISB that way. It seemed like before that, nobody really cared. And here, I think this is a perfect example of that. You have somebody you're looking for in custody, but you're so pompous to really take a look at it. 
until somebody starts kicking you in that direction. And that's why I think if there's going to be a prison breakout, at some point they're going to realize, oh my God, we actually had Cassian in custody at this point. I think you're right. I think eventually, yeah, they'll they'll realize who they have. But, you know, Deidre is certainly getting closer. Uh, this was, I, I really enjoyed, we got more Deidre scenes with Deidre and with, um, and with the ISB. Finally, Deidre and Cyril meet. Uh, it was, it, he was brought in for questioning uh, because apparently he keeps doing searches for Cassian's name, putting him kind of saying, oh, Cassian, you know, uh, tried to, he's making a bogus search results, right? Oh, this guy named Cassian Andor is putting in too many requests for something or other. Every time he's making up some other different excuse. Uh, and it caught the eye of the ISB. I, in, uh-huh. I, so just the one piece of feedback I'll give for this episode is I, I really struggled to understand the amount of time that it is going by. Um, I, and maybe this is I would just agree. me being a little on the lazy side. I would have loved to have seen a date of some kind on the screen or something that just is like one month later, you know, how, or whatever it is. Like one of my first clues in this episode is when Cyril is getting reprimanded. It's like you put in, you know, six requests to search Cassie Andor in you know the last month he was like well it's actually seven and she's like i'm not i'm not including the one from today you idiot um but i was like oh well my god like i thought you've been here for like a day i did not realize it had been that long Mm -hmm. yeah and you're you're totally right they there's like some subtle hints like we we see that cassian's in his cell for 30 days but the serial um sequence happens before that 30 day time jump the the interrogation so i'm i'm guessing that maybe maybe it's between the maybe there's like a month between when cassian well we know we know some amount of time has passed right before he goes to um niamos we don't know how long maybe that is a month right where he's on niamos because we find him with that girl and he's on the beach and seems to have more of established life and then he gets captured by the uh, the shore troopers, he gets sentenced. That can't have happened very quickly. So mm-hmm. maybe sometime in there, I don't know, at least a month or two probably is my guess. I mean, I feel like Cyril wouldn't wait that long to start searching for Cassian. So maybe it's only been a month. <laughs> I would think. I think you're right. But I, and then another I month. think this is more yeah. my, my broader point. Is like it's just It's hard to track how where everything is happening here. Yeah. And I, I wish it was just a tad easier. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Um, but it was so cool to see Deidre and Cyril finally meet after so long. And uh, it was, I was expecting them to work together instantly, but that was not the case. W- were you guys? I So I also kind of expected them to, and I ended up being incredibly glad that they didn't go down that route. I find it much more satisfying for Deidre to just discard Cyril in the same exact way that she's discarded everything else. That's very much mm. vampire. Like, no, why would yeah. I? You've clearly proven you're an idiot. I would rather not talk to you. Right. Well, and the it, funny. It, yeah, sorry. It just her entire demeanor through this her uh, interrogation is just mm. perfect from and, that perspective. And, 
and the fascinating thing, and and I kind of feel sorry for Cyril. He's not an idiot. He's driven. He knows what's going on. He wants to basically clear his name, and he's trying everything to get it done. It's just fascinating how he just keeps hitting a brick wall, and you just see the frustration. And he's got to live with his mom, and it was his uncle that got him the job. And it's like he just wants to just move forward and clear his name and mm-hmm. and get back to what he was he was doing because he wants to bring justice. He he seems to really really uh, you know is drawn to the empire. Going, this is law and this is order, and I got to follow these steps. It's just Deirdre is just fascinating. Just I can almost like I can do this myself. Leave me alone. Thank you for your help. Sorry that you signed off on a report that you really didn't read it, you know, because you even said yourself, this isn't what I wrote or whatever, but she's like, well, you signed off on it. I actually, I think her mentality was a little bit different there. I think really that was a moment for her where she's like, wait a second. Okay. There is actually some value in continuing this conversation. And it also explains why pieces of the story don't work or are missing. And again, okay. I think it, it speaks to her attention to detail and works really well. Yeah. Okay. And I also think it speaks to the, uh, kind of incompetence of some folks in the empire where they're more concerned with appearances and than actually, you know, doing their job. Cause we, we learned that supervisor Blevin basically just had, he wrote up a, a report that did was not comprehensive at all. And basically had Cyril just sign it and say, yep, this is, this is accurate. And it was missing so many details and it just kind of shows how Blevin was either, incompetent or trying to hide something or both and i think probably the 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 hiding is the is the case um, yeah and, uh, as a side note I, w- I wish i had the quote directly in front of me but the actress for deirdre i think she had a comment or you know about deirdre's character and her portrayal where she which i thought really nailed it which is like you you come into the show wanting to root for her because she's kind of you know the woman fighting the fighting her for her place in a man's world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more you watch her, the more you're like, oh no, she is she, like, yes, that is true. She's also, you know, a fascist and a servant of the empire and a true believer. Mm-hmm. And you really shouldn't be rooting for her, even though it's kind of hard not to. Agreed. And she is doing such a good job with that character. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, fantastic. I'm just, I, yeah, I, I think Denise Gao is just, Done a, I just I love watching Deidre. She's a she's such a great character. Uh, as is you know Cyril, and so finally seeing them together is just is so fun. Um, and we also see her getting closer to Luthen. The 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 walls are starting to close in. She's the the resources. She started her 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 search from the last episode is starting to bear fruit, and she's re- discovered that Luthen. They don't know his name yet. They just call him Axis. But there's this, 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 this person called Axis who is coordinating a lot of these rebel cells, and she's getting closer and looking for more resources so she can continue squeezing uh, and, uh, and and getting getting closer. I, I think it's really cool to see. We also have now have Fulcrum and we have Axis <laughs> as a, on, the, on the Rebels side of things. It's probably Axis because if you look at it, if you have um, you have Mon Moth, however it's run, it, it seems like there's 
the, we know there's two different branches of how the rebellion is being fought, the Sagrera side and the Mamathma side. Maybe that's why there's the Axis and the Fulcrum, because each side is using their own spies in a way that they're able to keep them separate from each other. So that's why you're able to have a new character called Axis this way. Well, I, I like that you brought up Saw, Tom, because that's that's a perfect segue. So Luthen takes his ship to Segra Milo to meet with Saw Guerrera. And of course, we knew Forrest Whitaker would be showing up in this in the series, but it's still so fun to see him return along with some other faces like Two Tubes from Rogue One and a couple other Rogue One characters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we discover that there's actually, you know, Sagarera goes and lists off a bun- bunch of the factions. And, you know, we, of course, we have Luthen's group. We have Sagarera's partisans. Um, but we also have the Separatists or what's left of them. It, it's cool that he names drops the Separatists. It's clear there's some Separatists remaining. There's Neo-Republicans led by Maya Pei. Uh, and the fact that they drop Maya Pei's name means I, I suspect she'll play a, a, a larger role later. There's the Gorman Front. There's, who of course we know from Star Wars Rebels. Um, there's the Partisan Alliance, the Sectorists, the Human Cultists, which sounds kind of creepy, uh, the Galaxy Partitionists. And there's also this other guy named Anto Krieger, who is more of a kind of a bull and a china shop i guess so there's a lot of factions and i just love getting more into the details of this this rebellion and seeing how there's so Mm. many different views the rebellion is not unified you know we know that there's a bunch of splintered cells but it's also different political opinions as well and and people with different goals and different objectives who are all or will all eventually unite as one rebel alliance and and i think this scene between saw <clears throat> Sorry, and Luthen kind of showed that. That to me, as you're 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 watching the the verbal sparring between the two, mm-hmm. they're both on the same side, but they we all know Saw Guerrero is more radical of you know the the rebellious type rebellion, but and now you're seeing Luthen's got his side of it, which you can tell is just a little bit different than Mon Mothma's side of it, mm-hmm. and and that verbal sparring between Luthen. And saw was you could tell that, yes, we have to work together, but somehow we've got to make our two theories of how we're going to get there work, but we're still going to do it our way regardless. Yeah, it's fascinating to see this other side of Luthen as well. Like, I feel like we saw a little bit of it while the Aldani job is happening. This like anxiety he's experiencing is this big thing is happening and he hopes it goes well. Um, this was just another side where he's really struggling to get Saw on board. Um, and you can tell, like, he's desperate to get the rebellion basically off the ground. And I don't know if he realizes that he's successful there or is being successful even. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, cause yeah. Saw, he he has a very different viewpoint. He, he thinks everyone is... Um, uh, he thinks everyone is you know, is kind of lost, and that he's the only one with purpose because he's going to go in and and he's willing to be more violent and do what needs to be done. And Luthen even has shown that he will cross lines, but none as much as not as nearly as much as Saw might. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't 
they trust each other. They're on the same side, but they don't reveal everything, right? Yeah. And like Saw doesn't necessarily know what does Luthen believe in. Um, Luthen doesn't. He he kind of he trusts Saw, but he's not going to give him free equipment. Right? He has to go meet with and try to help Anto Krieger on with the Imperial Power Station on Spellhouse, which you know Saw does not want to do. Um, and heck, they don't even they don't even admit to each other who was behind the Aldani raid. They're, they're kind of playing a game, which I loved how, Oh, that yeah, was you were behind. No, you were behind it. It was so good. Yeah, that, that was, was fascinating. Really, really well done between those yeah. two actors. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that's, that's why I get to the point where it's like, they, it's like one of those things you keep your friends close and your enemies closer, you know, and, and you're looking at this going, they're not enemies, but they're not, friends they're both going in the same direction but if they get into that type of verbal sparring between the two that won't admit or saw's trying to get it out of luthan luthan's trying to play coy and deflect then that whole verbal sparring was just just brilliant yeah it just it just continues the show just continues to layer more depth into all the different factions and i i really i really love it i think it's it's so fascinating to see um and you know also based on what we know of saw guerrera right you know he doesn't want to help anto krieger both because he says that you know he believes that anto krieger is slow and stupid but you know he also talks about how anto krieger used to be a separatist and as we know from the Clone Wars, Sagarera fought against the Separatists. His sister died because of the Separatists. And so it makes sense that he would not want to trust Anto Krieger or, or work with him. Um, I, just, I just love all the different layers they're adding here. It's just, it's so well done. So what did you guys, how did you feel about Mon Mothma's kind of story here? It's a, it's a little bit short, but we mainly see uh, another dinner party uh, where Mon Mothma and her husband are drinking, I think, one of the most disgusting drinks I've ever seen in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I man, mean, those little squigs. Uh, oh, no, thanks. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't want to uh, put a little bit of worm into your drink? Like, that's just, that's normal, right? Right. Grown a Tima. Hopefully it's one of those jelly worms, whatever they're called. Uh, yeah no. yeah no no not here but but don't don't you think when it comes to mamathma in some cases having a kind of party like that you can try and use that as a front to get some kind of business done and and do some kind of backhanded things or talking things or getting things worked out because this way her husband who you can tell she really does not trust he can be busy doing his thing where it seems like he's more comfortable in a party situation than she is. And he'll end up leaving her alone and she can go do her business on, you know, talk to whoever she needs to get funding for the uh, rebellion. Yeah. I I mean, I think no one, I don't think anyone uh, loved the Mon Mothma party scene in the last episode more than me. I, I absolutely adored that, that whole sequence. This episode had a very similar scene that wasn't, it was still enjoyable, uh, but it felt a little bit like it was treading water. Uh, it kind of, it was a lot of similar ground 
that it was covering. We do learn some new things or like how Mon Mothma and Perrin were married at 15 and Mon became a senator at 16. Um, we start to see Lita, her daughter, maybe getting suspicious of her mother. Um, and you know, it, will she uncover what's ha- happening? Maybe she will. That would be really interesting if Mon Mothma has to, like what happens if she uncovers it and turns her mom in? That could be very interesting drama there. Senator um, Saw Guerrera, just kidding. You know, but ultimately, it's really Mon Mothma at a party talking secretly with Tay Colma again. And that's mostly it. We also get to see how the senators are. The other senators are really are more interested than in free drinks than in actually uh, working on policy and helping people. Um, but I don't know. What what did you think, Stephen? No, I agree. Like it's it's the same problem that I think Cassian's story has in a lot of ways. Like it, there is depth there. It is fascinating to see and learn what we learn. But it like I think you described it as treading water. Perfect description. Like not a lot of it is advancing in the story here. It is mm-hmm. primarily learning some backstory, kind of upping the stakes a little bit, you know. But there's just there needed to be more going on, I think, for this to really shine like that last dinner scene did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally agree. It seems like when it comes to these scenes, there is more depth to the Cassian story than this one who knows what happens in the next episode maybe the next episode there's more depth in mon mothmas we'll see but i I agree with this it just seems like for this one it was just a let's have a party let's have her meet discuss a couple things and then move forward so yeah yeah and you know that's okay i just i hope we start to get some um uh, some more progress in this storyline, even though it's just, I, I love Mon Mothma. And I could, I, it's still so well written. I just, am, where I'm do you think Mon Mothma's, where do you think Mon Mothma's story is going though? They hear, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I suspect this will, I, I, I feel like we have to r- run up through rebels. What happens in rebels? Cause I, um, to actually, I, I it had been a little bit since I'd watched Rebel, so I went back and I rewatched. I was on a flight this weekend, and I, I went back and rewatched a bunch of the old Rebels episodes. Actually, all the ones with Mon Mothma in them. And uh, if you remember at the beginning of season three, the episode Secret Cargo, uh, Mon Mothma calls out the Emperor for his brutal attacks on the people of Gorman, and she says it's proof that he is little quote. Uh, little more than an executioner imposing tyranny under the pretense of security and says, quote, we cannot allow this evil to stand. And this is really the first time she publicly speaks out against the empire. Um, and this is what a year or, or so before rogue one uh, a year or two. So I suspect this is maybe we'll see the other side of this conversation, but she uses that, that speech that public speech as a call to unite all the various rebel cells. And that's when they go to, um, uh, not, not too actually later in the, in the season. Uh, no, it is, sorry. It is in the, in secret cargo, right? They go to, they go to Dantooine. The ghost helps Mon Mothma get to Dantooine. 
and where she makes another speech and that's when a bunch of ships start uh, coming and answering the call and it really is the first gathering of the true rebellion. And so I suspect that's where Mon's storyline will go. You know, at that point, she, you know, has been branded a traitor for speaking out against the corrupt Senate and the Empire and, you know, commits to not resting until they she bring they bring about the end of the Empire and restore the Republic. But I, I think that's where her, her storyline will go. What do you guys think? I think you're right. I do yeah, think no, it, I think you're right too. It speaks to a little bit of the weakness though that so much of her story feels disconnected in some ways. At least compared to the rest of what's going on with Cassian and Luthan. I I I would like to see some more stakes for Mon Mothma, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I think it's going to start paying off in the episodes that are coming up. I think what they're doing is they're kind of laying the groundwork of Basically, her worrying about how she's going to get the money, how she going to going to basically cover whatever money is being used, and then how she's going to keep her involvement secret until the right time, and who can she trust? So th- they're building that up, but there is, he, I, I think it's coming. I I literally mm-hmm. think it's coming. I I agree. I I my guess is you know right now she's kind of she's she's more she's more interested in gathering resources and raising funds than she is in fighting as we saw in the last episode whereas luthan is interested in he wants to go out and and, and kind of start fighting and and and, and you know going after the empire so that they'll react and, and they can kind of convince the public I suspect she'll spend a lot of time trying to get money. Maybe she can't even get the money. Maybe her family will start to turn on her potentially. I think she'll start to group up more with certain factions. Uh, and maybe she'll take more of a, a leadership role with those factions until the point when she finally declares. Because like by the time she declares that she, uh, a, basically an open rebellion against the Empire in, in, in Rebels... Uh, she, she's clearly the de facto leader at that point. And so what happens with, with Luthan? How does she start to unite these groups a bit more? They're not fully united. I mean, we even see in the season four premiere of Rebels that, you know, Mon Mothma is kind of going head to head with Saw Gerrera. And, you know, Saw wants to do anything that's necessary and not fight by the rules while Mon's like, we can't, he's saying, you know, they can't, she can't lower herself to the Empire's, level um and so there's still differences of opinion but i think they'll be a lot more united by the time of Rebels season three uh, but i think we'll see her take on more of a leadership role over the next few episodes yeah yeah that feels reasonable to me yeah i i agree i, th- I think it's going to be tense for that little bit but you'll start seeing her become stronger as a leader as, as it moves forward yeah um, well, let's see another, another, one of the other, probably the last big one, that big piece of this episode was Ferrix. And this is our first time go- seeing what's happening on Ferrix without Cassian, um, on, on the planet. We actually get to check in on what's happening with Bix and, and Marva. And 
it's it's actually kind of sweet to see Brasso and Bix checking in on Marva, even though they're not related to her. They still care about her and, and are taking care of her. But she's getting, she's starting to get sick. She's starting to, she's older and she's, she's try, trying to pry open tunnels underneath the hotel so the rebels can take the Empire by surprise and falls over and hurts herself. And uh, she, she's she needs just, help. She's just a rebellious heart. That's all she yeah, is. She's just yeah. a rebellious heart. Yeah, it's unclear. Like, I, I still don't think there's a full rebel cell on Ferrix, so I'm not sure how she would report back to the rebellion. But, um, yeah, it, it's. Well, do you think at this point, do you think at this point that Ferrix may end up being a rebel cell at some point? Maybe not with her as the lead, but Brasso or Bix kind of taking that because the empire looks to have a good foothold on that planet. And if they really start digging in their heels, she might be able to rally some kind of support behind her to get everybody else involved to go after the empire. Cause she was trying to open a tunnel underneath the hotel. I think she might, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Steven? I, it's possible. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not as convinced of that. I think I feel like what we're seeing on Ferrix is meant to be the the impact on of Cassian's choices. He is trying to, you know, live his life uh, without worrying about anyone else, and it is coming back and biting him. And I think that's what we're seeing on Ferrix with the stormtroopers there, with his uh, mother, you know, her health declining and not having anyone to take care of her really, other than like Bix and so on, and. Um, I, I have a feeling we're going to continue to see the Empire tighten its grip on Ferrix as an example. Yeah, and it's already starting to tighten quite a bit. Um, you know, we've... In this episode, Bix decides to contact Cassian because she wants to let her know, that let him know that his mom isn't doing great. So she visits... Uh, Salman Pak, um, who she used to, who has that secret comm relay from the first few episodes in the series. And she used it and tries to contact Luthen, but, you know, I, I, Clea's advice, Luthen ignores the message and shuts down the comm channel. And that leads to Salman Pak getting taken into custody by the ISB and tortured. And then Bix does as well. And it's, we start to see a, a lot of the people who are left on Ferrix are getting, they're, they're kind of suffering as a result of Cassian's actions. The one thing I found fascinating is when Deirdre, after she did torture of, it was Brasso, right? That she, she had in the chair tortured. Uh, Pac, and, yeah. Pac, sorry. Um, and then she told her uh, assistant or whoever was there, leave him in the chair when we bring in Bix because she wanted to use Bix as the, I mean, she wanted to use him to kind of like scare Bix. Oh yeah. What, what I love though was when Bix came into the room, Deirdre turned around and said, what is he doing in here? Get him out. And the, <laughs> yeah. assist, the assistant was like, wait a minute. He almost wanted, but you just, it was, it was, so great. it was one of the most psychological twists because you almost wanted him just to, the, the 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 guy in the chair just to be there 
and she could use him as a visual saying, this is what you're going to look like if you don't do what I tell you. But instead, it was just the shock factor of him in the chair that she wanted, which I thought that was brilliant. It was. It was. And that's pretty much where the episode ends uh, with with Bix kidnapped, uh, captured and going to be interrogated. And it's, uh, it's, it's a great cliffhanger for the next episode. I mean, we, we see also that Cinta and Vel are on Ferrix. They're watching, uh, and looking for Cassian and then Cinta decides to rent a hotel so she can watch Marva's house, uh, and Vel, and Vel leaves. But, um, yeah, I, I there's, there, this episode is really kind of moving all the pieces in place. I feel like for the finale of the of the series. And how many episodes are left after this one? Uh, for this season, four. Four okay. episodes left. So we are so two thirds of the way through the series now, or the season. Sorry. Um, that well, when you put it that way, it makes me sad, William. I would prefer yeah. if you did not do that. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish we could have so many more episodes. They're just so good. This mm-hmm. I just I love this series has done such a phenomenal job of giving us these different sides of the rebellion and um and the empire. I just and the people on different planets. It's it's so interesting. Yeah, and the writing has just been outstanding, especially oh, when you get into the indeed. scenes. Yeah. And and the dialogue between characters and the interaction and even the directing. Just just to direct the actors to say that kind of dialogue especially when you've got Luthen and saw that whole scene of the verbal sparring was just amazing. The writing is incredible. I mean, the, yeah, writing is great. Only thing I could probably criticize the series on really is that I feel like sometimes the aliens and droids are just kind of put in there just when you start to feel like, oh, I haven't seen an alien or a droid in a while. Then they kind of throw one in just be like, no, don't worry. You're still in star Wars. Uh, and then, you know what? You know, because like wanted, everyone in the prison, not a single alien. They're all human. Yeah. You know, and I, or, want, I wanted to say that it's like the only time you really see an alien is when it was at Mon Mothma's party, or you, yeah, Mon Mothma's party, or yeah. like the beach planet uh, Niamos. Like every yeah. once in a while, you'll see an alien, and otherwise, just like you know, it's a, oh. it feels a little light in some cases. I suspect that's for budgetary reasons. Yeah, I actually, I think I disagree. Um, oh, really? I mean, yeah. So, like, yes, the prison is all human, but that, that does not surprise me when it comes to the Empire. Like, Empire and segregation feels exactly like the type of thing they would they would be doing. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I guess I also just, I think you're right. It's largely for budget reasons. And I think one of the things I think we need to accept or think through for Star Wars live action is that they only have so much budget that they can put in different places. And I, I suspect this will just be a place where, you know, they'll just, they'll trim a little bit. We'll still see aliens. They'll still be there. They're just not going to be, you know, maybe as omnipresent as we would expect from the movies and so on. Mm. Um, and, you know, seeing, having aliens at Mon's parties, I think, I think makes it work. Like, uh, yeah. I, I think they're doing a good no, job. No, I, 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 I do agree there. I think it's, it's one of those things where everyone's on like, ah, I feel like we haven't seen. And then it, they're right there, you know. Yeah, they're, it, there. they're they're kind of just barely skirting that line, uh, but I think they're doing a good job of it, all things considered. Um, and you're right about the prison and, and certain cases like that. It, it does kind of make sense. So, uh, no. Overall, though, this series is just it's so good. It's so good. Also, mm-hmm. you know, while there's not many aliens, there is a huge cast 
I counted 66 different actors with named characters in the credits of this episode. Wow. Like that's, there were four pages of credits for characters. There's normally like one or two in a Star Wars show. That's a lot. (laughs) It's an insane amount of characters and people and, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's truly impressive. It's just such a sprawling cast. So, well, should we get into our reviews? I feel like we've we've covered this episode pretty exhaustively. Yeah, I think we can get into it. Um, and I'm going to volunteer to go first. Okay, Tom, take it away. Um, I'm giving the episode a seven. I enjoyed the episode. I felt, I felt out of all the episodes so far. This one moved at a much slower pace, a lot of verbal sparring. It just seemed like it was an episode that's going to start setting up what's coming next and then the episode after that. So there was, there was a lot of a lot of little exposition points along the way that you really had to pay attention. So I just I, I got to give it a seven. I it was good. I will probably watch it again because a lot of that verbal sparring, you're missing a lot of things. Um, but my seven, I guess I'm going to use my seven Womp Rats because I'm going to give it a seven. Um, they were at my Mothma's party, basically in the kitchen, just creating havoc that nobody ever saw. Not saying that they were actually, you know, they were actually doing the cooking back there. That's why there was havoc in the kitchen that you just never saw. So... That's that's it. Who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go next. Um, you know, I thought this was a. I like you, Tom. I thought this was a very good episode. It I, the writing is just is incredible, and it continues to be so immensely watchable. And I just love seeing the different aspects of the galaxy. Yes, this episode treaded water a bit more, but I. It's it's cool to see the prison dynamic. Um, and it's really unique there. Um, and I love seeing Saw come back. Uh, and so I think overall, I'll give this eight Womp Rats out of 10. And these eight Womp Rats, you know, they're, uh, we talked about how, you know, the Empire is, is all about segregation in the prison, most likely. And I, I think there's an entire level of just Womp Rats. And, uh, and honestly, that's why some of the, the communication between floors is, is not the, you know, maybe it's, it's a little hard to understand in this episode. We're wondering, what are they talking about? What's happening? Well, I think it's because, uh, there's Womp Rats on one of the levels. They're not, they're not the best communicators. Steven. Uh, This is a a tough one for me. I think I'm going to have to give it a six and a half out of 10 Womp Rats here. Um, honestly, William, when you described it as treading water, that was just, perfect analogy um i enjoyed it you know it's not like i was sitting there bored the entire time you know while we're watching but i definitely it ended the credit you know the director's name comes up and i was like oh not a lot happened um i loved a lot of the backstory we're seeing i i think we're making progress um this very much felt like we're setting up we're you know, last episode we saw Cassian go on his binge after getting all of his money. This episode is establishing his prison conditions and let, making us 
feel what he's feeling. Um, but it very much feels like we're setting up for the next episode. So I think like I gave for episode five and probably episode two, like I just, I think these are set up episodes and they, they, they're, they do a good job. They do, they do their job, but they're nothing to write home about. Um, but as far as what my womp rats are going to be doing, I, I did not think of something clever ahead of time. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to say they were just, you know, womp rats are the number one consumers of squigs, the worms, you know, in, in the Chandrillon drinks. Um, it, there's a whole business built around it. In fact, it's driving the price up. It's why you see them at wealthy parties like this one, because the womp rats eat them so quickly that they just the price is skyrocketed and only the wealthy can afford them, which is why they get served uh, in, in cases like this. So uh, my my six and a half womp rats are just they're chowing down on squigs the entire time. <laughs> uh nice that's i feel bad for those those womp rats that's that's not a pleasant fate but it's a delicacy i mean they they appreciate it if nothing else don't worry <laughs> oh well yes i guess um i guess that that wraps up our review of narkina five um just thanks. This is always so much fun. I really enjoyed talking about this with you guys. And coming up on the next episode of Ion Canon, because of course, Andor episode eight was not the only thing that came out uh, 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 last week. We also really? got. Really? It wasn't? No, we also got six episodes of Tales of the Jedi. And so we'll be following up with another episode. In just a couple of days, uh, just a few days, with our, our review of Tales of the Jedi, the six shorts that are basically a continuation of The Clone Wars. I'm excited to review these with you guys. There's lots to unpack. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be coming at you later this weekend. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back in just a few days with our re- review of Tales of the Jedi. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter to email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.